It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Sam Howell or Jacoby Brissett? What about both? That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Friday episode of Locked On Commanders, your daily podcast covering your favorite team, the Washington Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Don't forget, you can subscribe for free on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. A little bit of one-on-one with me because I'm your host, David Harrison, D. Harrison. 82 on Twitter, credential member of the media, Washington Commanders beat reporter over at Commander Country, Sports Illustrated's fan nation site covering the Commanders. Here with you every Monday through Friday with my everydayers who never miss an episode, and I never miss an opportunity to show you my appreciation for doing so. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss the consistent voice of hope surrounding a potential return to the site of RFK Stadium for the Washington Commanders. And we're going to dive into two interesting comments from a recent NFL.com starting lineup prediction. But first, we're going to start off today's episode looking at the most interesting, what I'll call prediction from that same column starting lineup projection that states both Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett not could, but will probably play for Washington in 2023. In the article on NFL.com, the league's media outlet released their own projected starters for the Washington Commanders, something that we've been working on here and we'll continue into next week's next week as we pick back up our film study series uh, from the rookie class. But they also made some interesting predictions or statements uh, along with that starting lineup projection. And the first one that I want to highlight here is that both quarterbacks, Sam Howell and Jacoby Brissett, will play for Washington in 2023, writing, quote, both commanders quarterbacks will probably end up playing. Jacoby Brissett got the top contract of any backup quarterback and could feel like a safer option for a staff that likely needs to win to survive an ownership change. Second-year pro Sam Howell was intriguing in Week 18 last season and has a better skill set than his fifth-round draft status indicates. End quote. Now, what's interesting about this is we've had a lot of discussions about Sam Howell, Jacoby Brissett. Which one is the best option for the Washington Commanders this season, especially when you add into the mix the idea that Ron Rivera is essentially coaching for his job with new ownership uh, getting set to take over once all the paperwork is signed, the finances are vetted, and the vote uh, is conducted. But what we haven't really discussed and what NFL.com essentially presents here as a prediction is the possibility of both of these guys uh, actually starting and playing in 2023. And NFL.com, while they make the prediction of both Brissett and Howell getting playing time, in 2023, they don't really break down how it's going to happen, right? It'll go as far as to predict how both guys get on the field. So let's do that here. Let's kind of talk about the potential options here that the that the NFL.com's uh, prediction kind of presents to us. And first and foremost, we already know that Howell is going to start the team's OTA sessions, which start next week. Uh, on Wednesday, we'll have our first glimpse at the OTA practices for the Washington Commanders, and he's going to start the training camp period 
as the team's number one quarterback and is essentially being given a clear path to claiming the starting job. It's essentially his to lose, even though they're calling this thing a competition, right? If he veers off path, right? If he doesn't stay on the path to becoming a starting quarterback this season, then perhaps Brissett gets the nod to start the regular season. And that's kind of what NFL.com was talking about. Maybe the safer veteran option to start the year. Meanwhile, in the background, Sam Howell continues to prepare as the backup quarterback, works with offensive coordinator and assistant head coach Eric Bieniemy in the background, gets more familiar with his role, with what Coach Bieniemy expects of him, with his offense, his playbook, the checks, the signals, uh, all that stuff. And, of course, continuing to get adapted to the NFL game here in his second season as a professional football player. And then when the time comes that Howell is ready, or when the team desperately needs a shot of energy because maybe there's losing going on or whatever, then he reclaims uh, that starting job. That is, I guess, the most likely scenario here, right, where Jacoby Brissett and Sam Howell both get starting uh, experience, both play for the Washington Commanders is Howell, for whatever reason, just doesn't approve enough or perhaps even struggles in the preseason or in OTAs or in training camp. So Jacoby Brissett, again, the more reliable, I suppose, dependable veteran steps in at first. And then Howell takes over midway through the season, maybe after the first four games or so. But there's another less desirable way, right, that this can all go down as well. And that would be that after performing well enough in training camp and in preseason, Sam Howell starts the regular season as the number one quarterback. But at some point in time in the season, it's just not going very well. And the team decides to make a change to the veteran, bringing Jacoby Brissett in. Now, look, I'm going to be honest with you. I hate this type of method. I hate this type of practice uh, by an NFL team. When you put, to me, when you put a young quarterback in, the worst way to torpedo that guy's confidence is by pulling him and putting a veteran in his place, right? I think if if you're going to put him in, you have to understand that you are now tied to him and you have to go through the bumps and the bruises, at least through the course of that season. I mean, look, if you go through that season and you make, you know, you decide you're going to make a change, uh, for the following off season. Okay, fine. Great. Great. But if you put a young guy in, you really need to be able to be able and willing to commit to him for that year. And he needs to know that he, while he goes out there in his first year as a starting NFL quarterback, that he's not one bad throw, one interception away or one loss away from losing that job. He needs to be able to understand he can go in there and learn on the job because he's going to learn on the job regardless if you don't want him to or not. He's going to make mistakes, but he's got to understand and he's got to know he's got to have the confidence that one bad mistake or the next bad mistake isn't going to completely derail everything. Now, if that's not the case, right, if you pull him, like let's say Sam Howell starts the season, goes four or five, six games in, the commanders have maybe one win, a lot of interceptions, not a lot of points, all of those things. If you put Jacoby Brissett, the veteran, in in his place as a starting quarterback, to me, that needs to be the end of Sam Howell's time with the Washington commanders, because again, I hate the back and forth, the look, we're going to pull him. We'll put him in later. If it gets worse or it gets better to me, that just reeks of desperation. And it's an indecision because if you're deciding that he's not your starting quarterback, then he needs to not be your starting quarterback. So if you pull him and then you put him back in later, that's indecision in the, in the worst kind of way, because now you've got two quarterbacks that essentially don't know how long they actually have job security for you. Look at the New York jets and kind of what they did with Zach Wilson. They pull him, uh, they put in not really an aged veteran or anything like that, but they put in another quarterback. And I know that the the words were, you know, we're just going to reset them and and do all these things. And look, perhaps a long term absence and a fresh restart, as in like a new season, 
perhaps that could work. But to do it in the same season, to me, uh, I've always hated when I see NFL coaches and, and teams make that decision. So I wouldn't wish that on Sam Howell. I wouldn't wish it on Jacoby uh, Brissett any, any, uh, either, either. So obviously, only one of those scenarios really presents a good option, right? The only scenario where both Brissett and Howell get on the field uh, at the same or not at the same time, but during this coming season is one where Brissett starts the year for whatever reason. And then Howell comes in and takes over later. We've seen that scenario unfold time and time again in the national football league, but there is a third scenario, right? And I'm going to call that the technicality clause, right? And that's where one of these quarterbacks, whether it be Howell or Brissett starts the season uh, and either gets injured or there's like a special play, which Howell and, and Brissett don't really present too much of an athletic uh, type of scenario where I think there's going to be a special package for either of these guys. So I think the technicality clause would be that, like, say, Howell starts the season and gets injured, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Or Brissett starts the season, gets injured, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. And the other quarterback comes in. To me, though, if you're going to predict that both of these guys are going to play in the same season, I think what you're predicting is that one of them is going to start the year as a starter but not finish the year as a starter. And to me, the only way that works out well for this coaching staff, the only way that works out well for this team is if your starter to start the regular season is Brissett and Howell takes over because if Howell is the starter and Brissett has to come in, that's a problem. And you're probably starting over with another quarterback next year. And if the new owners are going to start over with another quarterback, they're probably going to start over with a new coaching staff. But that's not the only prediction that NFL.com made or only statement that NFL.com made in their starting lineup projection for the Washington Commanders. And the next one will have those of you who were offended by my recent Brian Robinson second-year projection episode very, very happy. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and the calories and you need the best tasting protein bar ever, Built, you got to try this. Built Bars are healthy and they taste amazing. They taste so amazing, you won't realize that they're even good for you. They're all covered in 100% real dark chocolate and come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and cookies and cream. The bars taste like candy bars, but they maintain amazing macros bringing you only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, but they pack 17 grams of protein. And the best part is you can get them to your front door via built.com, or you can drive down the road to your local Walmart, or if you have a Sam's Club, hit them and you can find built bars as well. At your your local Walmart, head to the pharmacy section and you can find yourself cookies and cream bars, double chocolate bars, or coconut puffs. And if you're near a Sam's Club, head on in there and you can find brownie batter puff and churro puff. Also, make sure you go to built.com today and check out the release of Built Crispy. No matter how you want it, no matter how you get it, that's Built Bar, Built Different. You got to try this. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen today and every day. Every day is Comeback Monday as we get the new week started. 
with our first OTA practice going down Wednesday. And of course, we had another live mailbag episode coming up on Tuesday afternoon. So if you want to submit questions for that, hit me up an email, uh, hit me up here in the comments in the premier live chat, or hit me up on subtext at join subtext.com slash locked on commanders here on this Friday episode, though, we're going to continue to look at this NFL.com starting starting lineup roster projection uh, column and two more interesting comments or predictions that I took from it uh, about the commanders with the first one pertaining to the running back position. And the comment reads as, as follows, quote, Antonio Gibson is the third down back behind Brian Robinson. Their touch split may be closer to even than Robinson's fantasy owners want, end quote. And this is an interesting follow-up to a conversation I recently uh, got a question in for a mailbag episode that I decided to split off into its own full episode, and that was about a second-year projection for wide receiver Jahan Dotson. I went ahead and added in running back Brian Robinson as they're the two offensive rookies, playmakers, uh, that really got the most burn in their rookie seasons. So kind of taking a look at their pace of production and what that could mean for their season uh, in, in year number two. Some of you, some Commanders fans, were not very happy about my projections about Brian Robinson potentially getting a larger snap share than he did in year one and getting more of the touches. And that's fine. That's absolutely fair. All of these guys are talented. And believe me, it was in no way, shape, or form intended to downplay Antonio Gibson or uh, even necessarily really officially predict that Brian Robinson Jr. would actually take over the majority, uh, if not all the snaps. It was just a projection of what could be given the pace of Brian Robinson play. But anyway, I digress from that moving forward. In the 2022 NFL season, uh, Brian Robinson Jr. got 214 total touches. That's total carries and pass receptions. Does not include targets. It's only reception. So 214 touches. Antonio Gibson was second on the team with 195 touches. Curtis Samuel was third on the team with 102 touches. While we're talking about him in a running back conversation coming up next, you probably know about where it's going to head. Now, Curtis Samuel predictably had the highest yards per touch average with an 8.3 yards per touch average, while Gibson came in with more yards from scrimmage uh, with 899. So Brian Robinson led the trio in touches. Antonio Gibson led the trio in yards. Offensive yards from scrimmage, that is Curtis Samuel led uh, the trio in yards per touch from scrimmage because uh, he's a receiver. So some of his touches came, came way down the field, especially that touchdown against the Minnesota Vikings. The three players uh, combined, Samuel Gibson and Robinson, those three, those three players combined scored 13 of Washington's 33 touchdowns in 2022, accounting for 39% of the touchdowns scored while maintaining or while utilizing 58% of the touches. Now, I think ultimately what you're going to want is you want about equidistant scores from those touches if you're going to continue that type of split. So if you're given a, th a three-man attack, a trio of Robinson, Gibson, and uh, Curtis Samuel, a 58% share of touches, you want to be closer to 58% of the scoring uh, as well. And I do believe that Samuel will continue to get in on more screen, more running back type work, more running back type looks with Eric Bieniemy running the offense this season, while Jahan Dotson will likely get more traditional receiver snaps in his second year than he did uh, in the first. Now, 38 of Samuel's touches last year in 2022 came in the running game. And while that number alone may not increase specifically, I think more touch passes, short passes, end arounds, what you, what have you, uh, are going to be featured using Curtis Samuel as the ball carrier. So hopefully the enemy is going to be able to identify and simplify when those screen heavy approaches aren't working versus last year when uh, screen heavy situations or approaches weren't always working. 
And, uh, you know, they were stuck with uh, regardless. So if you look at the 2022 Kansas City Chiefs, and even though you obviously can't take the Chiefs offense as a carbon copy expectation for what the Washington Commanders offense will look like under Eric Bieniemy, uh, you have some interesting things here. And it's kind of what I was talking about here. So the Chiefs top three touch getters. I don't know if that's a way to really put it, but the top three Chiefs offensive players in touches were running back Isaiah Pacheco, running back Jarek McKinnon, and tight end Travis Kelsey in that order. Now, they accounted those three for roughly around half of the team's offensive touches, and they scored 46% of the team's touchdowns. Now, go back to what we just talked about. That is much more uh, like the numbers I was kind of talking about ahead of time, where if you're going to have three players getting 58% of the touches, you kind of want them closer to 58% of the scoring if you can get them there. So that's a much closer ratio. Again, about half of the snaps going to, or touches rather, going to Isaiah Pacheco, Jarek McKinnon, and Travis Kelsey, and they accounted for 46% of the team's offensive touchdown production. So a much closer ratio touches uh, to scores than what we saw in Washington last year, and I think that is what you're going to want moving forward. Last year now, Washington's top scorer was rookie receiver Jahan Dotson, who scored 21% of the team's touchdowns by himself. And if you add him with the next highest two score producers, Antonio Gibson and Curtis Samuel, who each had five touchdowns. Quick side note, Terry McLaurin also had five touchdowns, but he had fewer touches. So we're going to put Gibson and Samuel uh, ahead just for this reason. Again, only for this reason, statistic uh, order, not talent order. We got Terry McLaurin is uh, obviously the superior of the, of the group. But that trio, Dotson, Gibson, and Samuel, accounted for 52% of the team's touchdowns while accounting for just 38% of the snaps. That is an amazing ratio. If you can get 52% of scores from 30% of your touches, that is a very, very high producing offense. So what this means is that the team needs to either figure out how to get Jahan Dotson more touches to maximize his scoring output ability, or they need to get more points output from those three players with higher touches. So again, either get Jahan Dotson more involved and continue that scoring trend or get more scoring from the three top players that you're going to involve in your offense from a touch standpoint. Uh, and for anyone saying that running backs are obviously going to get more touches per uh, score than receivers, that is true. But the Chiefs two top t- uh, two top touch earners and scorers were a tight end and two running back or in a running back. So uh, it can be done. So there's a way. And honestly, I'd say that Gibson and Samuel actually fit Eric Bieniemy's offense or what we expect from Eric Bieniemy's offense coming from Kansas City more than Robinson. But Robinson fits Bianami's personal style as a runner and coming from his own uh, early coaching days in Minnesota as well. So it'll be a lot of fun to see how EB balances out his experiences and folds them into his own method with his personality. Now, the final interesting observation or prediction I wanted to mention here is the existence of three quarterbacks on the starting projection from NFL.com choosing to eliminate one of the quote unquote uh, linebacker spots in a traditional 4-3, which is commonly what we refer to to Washington's defense as, but we saw last year that those that defense really was a multiple defense, not really a standard 4-3. And NFL.com wrote, quote, Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew drafted defensive backs in the first two rounds, making the team more dynamic on the back end. It will be fascinating to see how Emmanuel Forbes, drafted 16th overall, holds up at 166 pounds against physical receivers in the NFC East. Second rounder, Jartavius Martin, we call him Quan. He wants to be called Quan. NFL.com called him Jartavius. But Quan Martin, 47th overall, could win the nickelback job as a hybrid safety. End quote. Now, that's interesting because NFL.com's projection lists Forbes, Kendall Fuller, and Benjamin St. Juice as starting corners, while Quan Martin is not on there at all. 
with Derek Forrest and Cameron Curl as the team's starting safeties. We saw Forbes get snaps in the slot during rookie minicamp, but Martin wasn't in attendance as he was, he was excused to deal with a family matter. So it's going to be interesting once he's back to see him at OTAs to see if Forbes continues lining up in the slot, how they use Quan Martin, and how this thing starts to unfold uh, once we get to see all of them on the field together. Now, the full projected commander starting line at the beginning, go to NFL.com and find the uh, the article. It's not behind a paywall. The only thing that's really different from what we've been saying so far is that they do have left guard Sadiq Charles in that starting spot. We're still, or I still kept Andrew Norwell in there. Yes, we all agree and, and believe that he will likely be released, and I understand that. But, you know, just I guess just out of respect for him, honestly, it might be a weird thing for me to do, but I'm doing it. Um, I'm keeping him plugged in there until – He's no longer a part of the team or until we get to, say, OTAs and we see a different left guard uh, with the first team, which we might see as early as next week. They also have Cody Barton listed as an outside linebacker. Jamin Davis is the mic. Uh, we know that Cody is expected to play the mic. Jamin Davis, uh, more of your, I guess, your outside. Again, it's not really a traditional outside linebacker role, 4-3 type of deal. Uh, so, you know, call it what you want. But basically, your two linebackers, Cody Barton and Jamin Davis, uh, on there as well. Only one rookie this year cracking the starting lineup projection for Washington. Typically a sign of a playoff contending roster. Like usually the better your roster is, the harder it is for a rookie to crack the starting lineup. So if you've only got one expected, one rookie expected, and it's your first round guy, uh, typically means you have a pretty solid roster top to bottom. So while the team contends on the field and will continue to contend on the field, at least one person involved in DC politics is competing on behalf of those who want to see RFK Stadium. Reborn. That's next on today's episode of Locks On Commanders. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. DC Council member Kenyon R. McDuffie recently said in a Washington Post opinion column that it's time to, quote, hit the refresh button, unquote, end quote, on uh, redeveloping the site of old RFK Stadium. And I know a good amount of Commanders fans are holding out hope that the site of RFK Stadium can be used and renovated and reused and, and all redesigned for the new Commander Stadium that we're all kind of anticipating to come along with the switch in ownership. Now, of course, that uh, was two weeks ago. And this week, J.P. Finley of 106.7, the fan tweeted, quote, talking with Councilman Kenyon McDuffie about the RFK site. And McDuffie said, quote, we need to bring the commanders home. We are a world-class city. We can walk and chew gum. We can build a world-class stadium that is supported beyond just game days. We can build affordable housing, end quote. So McDuffie obviously wants this thing to be more than just an NFL stadium. And that's great because obviously the NFL is really going to that system anyway. If it's just an NFL stadium, and this is what some other politicians have kind of mentioned, that you're only getting use of it and you're only getting revenue from it during the season and maybe some concerts. But really what we're looking at is a trend towards stadiums really being part of almost like a convention center, maybe a little like mini city. You call it in commander city is something that we were kind of uh, using as a phrase last year during a lot of these conversations. And really, you know, there's going to be nightlife, restaurants, businesses, all of these things, and even housing involved in some of these new stadium projects. 
so that the in the entirety of the structure right is producing revenue uh, for the city, the state, jobs, all that stuff really year round. So now this isn't the first time we've heard right this kind of talk. And just a couple of weeks ago, we did hear reports that the commanders are even trying to help secure the land for the purpose of building a new stadium there. So that's uh, very interesting that the commanders, the franchise, kind of throwing support behind the idea as well. But there are also a lot of hurdles. Uh, perhaps the biggest one is that the D.C. City Council can't even agree really on how to use the land if they were to get it. Should it be transferred from the federal government? The federal government owns the land. They would have to transfer that land to the city. Uh, currently, the city has a lease on that land, but that lease has to be extended. And it doesn't really sound like the city really wants to go that route. They would rather just own the land outright, which who can blame them, right? Recently, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser said that the likelihood of the federal government retaining ownership of the land and authorizing a stadium to be built there, uh, or at least is directly to commander's ownership as possible, or leasing it directly to commander's ownership is possible, but highly unlikely to happen. So again, the federal government approving the building of a stadium or the federal government leasing it to the owners of the Washington commanders, she did say is possible, but not very likely. So the most likely shot of this happening here uh, for a new stadium to be build where, built where RFK currently stands is for the federal government to transfer the property to D.C., the city itself, and for the council members to then come to an agreement on using the land for the stadium, which would then, again, also uh, likely include other things like businesses, maybe even housing attached to it, all those things. Of course, you also need the buy-in of the new owners, right? The new owners uh, have to, to buy into having that site be the site of their new stadium. And we know from previous episodes, we discussed the ESPN report where they found the document where Josh Harris has essentially been pitching uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia as the most likely location of the new stadium. It doesn't necessarily mean that Josh Harris and his other investors would be against using the old RFK site, but uh, it's just one more hurdle that would have to be cleared. So a lot stacked against the potential use of the RFK site for a new stadium in the future, but it's not dead. You know what I mean? Like the idea is still out there. It's still alive. It's an, a huge uphill climb, but it is still something that is being discussed. My money, if I had to bet on it, I'm still thinking Loudoun County in Virginia, the richest country or richest county in the country, in the entire United States of America. That's where I think this thing is ultimately going to get built. But again, for those uh, for those Commanders fans hoping for an RFK site rebirth, I mean, look, I can't deny it wouldn't be really cool uh, to see happen. I just, with all the disagreements and the hurdles that have to be cleared, guys, I just, I just don't see it happening. But we'll continue to monitor those intentions, that story, uh, along the way as well, along with the new, the new owners. Minicamp coming up, or OTAs coming up next week. A lot of stuff. Coming up next week, we're back every day. And every day is I need your questions for our live Tuesday afternoon mailbag. Once again, and we've got the first OTA practice of the offseason happening Wednesday. So there's going to be plenty to talk about after that. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And remember, you can continue this conversation over at joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Commanders. Thank you so much for making me part of your day, part of your routine. And if you happen to see me around, make sure you say what's up, especially if you're at Bear Chase Brewing Company in Bluemont this weekend. If you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or you want to discuss, make sure you follow me on Twitter at dharrison82. And until we speak again, be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time on Locked On Commanders. Hey, Prime members. 
You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 